shopping today and I'll go to school tomorrow. First impressions are incredibly important. Honey, you can make a wonderful first impression. Brenda, how could you? He was a jerk, okay? I've made my choice and I choose me. No Connection Podcast Network listeners, welcome back to 90210 Beverly Hills 90210 Podcast Retrospective Series. I'm JT, and joining me as always is my co-host on the show, Tim Cable. Tim, how are you? I'm doing great, JT. Uh, new year, same show, uh, but still in the first season, more than halfway through. Man, I'm just charting our progress here, and I'm feeling like feeling more and more like we're going to make it every episode. If we can get through the first season, we can get through all ten, right? We're gonna we're gonna crush it for sure. Yeah. Uh, we've come this far. We're against all odds. We've already smashed the over uh, of what they thought we'd be, so we're good. We're cruising. Uh, I will say though, so my my wife started listening um, <laughs> to the show, Uh-oh. and uh, I got a, caught a little shit because I didn't call her out in the slumber party episode, which is like her all time favorite, and she's also a diehard um fan of the show so we did watch wow. college and then back in the days of dvds we ordered them all and binged through them and that was actually how i ended up seeing like some of the newer seasons that i hadn't really seen before or at least didn't remember was during that time so she's been uh, she's been binging through this and, and enjoys you i think she prefers you to me on the show so oh okay <laughs> <laughs> well isn't that just a, a spousal thing i mean yeah she, i guess she can't so. You know, but uh, we were very high on that episode, so she clearly has good taste. Uh, yeah, she does. She's like that and the whole series in general. So I just wanted to give that little call out since like, I caught some crap for not not mentioning her on a couple of these things. That or she's like a big season one fan of like that's her favorite time of the show. So so there you go. Yeah, yeah, there you go. But uh, also a big fan of 90210, and we knew this from way back as well because he is one of the original 9021 Bros. From our old blog of doom, he is uh, on this very podcast network, a co-host of you know what that means, an AEW podcast every other Friday. Also co-host of the NBA team podcast on the PTBN Pop Experience with my old roommate Adam Murray, and that is Mr. Andrew Reish. Andrew, how you doing? Hey, we're talking about Dawson's Creek, right? Yeah, only Dawson's Uh-oh. Creek. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I think I'm a, I think that one is like seven years ahead of this. It is. Episode, so when, yes. when Tim and I finish this, and then he's going to make me do Melrose, and then we'll do Dawson's. Right. Well, the people are going to make us do Melrose. <laughs> That's which, right. Look, they still keep running up to me in, in the airports all over the country saying, <laughs> when are you going to start Melrose 2 0? <laughs> we'll do it. We'll do it. And then we'll do Dawson's. And uh, Reese, you did a, a recent Dawson's episode of, uh, you heard about Pluto. That was excellent. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Well, that, that was funny because actually the new Scream is coming out. And uh, the guy who created that show, Kevin Williamson, he wrote Scream. So I was kind of – I actually just rewatched all those Scream movies with my daughter because we're going to go watch the new one together. And I was like, you know, these movies aren't too bad, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> except for mm-hmm. uh, three. Three yeah. sucks. Yeah. Reach is like a human pop-up video if you've ever heard him on a podcast. So yes. ready for a lot of fun facts. Me and your Peter way. Winston. A, yes. A lot, right. lot of crazy connections. <laughs> You're someone who I, I I've always said you you know a little something about everything and sometimes you know a lot about everything it seems like so I'm a master of <laughs> great song. to have you with yeah great <laughs> to have you with us as a, as an original nine oh two one oh bro nine oh two one bro, bro. Excuse me. yes going back to 
the 902 no so bro yeah love it there you go yep going back uh, to so so Andrew, like we I usually do, days. Yep. <laughs> like we usually do before we get started, when we have a new guest on, we like you to take, I don't know, 90 seconds or so to tell us about your relationship with the show. How did you discover it? Did you watch it in its original run? Did you follow, find it after? Just tell us a little bit about your relationship with Beverly Hills Now and I found it out through the soundtrack. <laughs> Interesting. So I did not watch like the. I I knew about the. Um, yeah, I don't want to. You know what? Because of the because of the context of where you're at on the episode, I mm-hmm. don't want to spoil what happens. But there's a very special episode of 90210 that comes out, like I think in the first two seasons. I remember that one because that was one of those. Uh, God, what was that show on HBO where Ben Affleck is like hooked on steroids? Um, oh, like like don't don't do this thing. Like it's like an after school special type. Right, of thing. right. Yeah. And. 90210 had an episode like that where all the kids were like, yeah, don't do that. And I remember that episode, but I remember like the Vanessa Williams, Brian McKnight song because I love Brian McKnight. Uh, How do you talk to an angel? I remember that one. Uh, (laughs) That's how I kind of like heard about it, like through music videos on MTV. And I I could not stand Shannon Doherty's character. Just could not stand Mm. Brenda. That was the one thing I remembered. And then it evolved where Tori Spelling like became like like at the she was like on the bad end of every relationship she was ever in <laughs> in like the mid 90s yeah. and Luke Perry leaves and they Tiffany Thiessen shows up that's actually when I watched it the most when Tiffany Thiessen went there mm-hmm. that was at like the 96 yeah. 95 era so sounds uh, like you're more of our generation um we uh us. yeah I don't dislike Brenda, but I, I think I'm gaining a new appreciation for Brenda watching it through from the beginning like this. But right. I've always thought of myself as as a fan of more of the Valerie years. JT, I think you too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's something we will we'll have to see how our feelings evolve once we get that deep into it. And right. the over the shoulder uh, cast intros, never forget them. Because they yes. always they were always a year older than the next ones. <laughs> right. I think we should film some of those for uh, North South Connection and put it like on on YouTube or something. All the hosts. Dramatic turns. Yeah. <laughs> Spelling's like uh, her her hair got so white and blonde that it couldn't go any whiter, so it went back to dark. You know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then they had a cast member named Vince Young. That's right. Yes, they did. Vincent Young, they, very they deep. Had... <laughs> As a football fan, I'm like, that's really weird. <laughs> so that movie reach was a, a body to die for Ben Affleck at the steroids. Yes, it was on HBO and he mm-hmm. like has a big old fit where he destroys his whole house because he's hooked on steroids. And they had like this whole after school lesson of the of the of the week type of thing. And I, and then they would have the real person say, yes, I did all this. Don't be like me. And there is a episode involving Brian Austin Green's character that is kind mm-hmm. of, sort of but I'm not going to talk about it. All right, well, we are going to talk about this episode here tonight. That is season one, episode 14, East Side Story, aired February 14th, Valentine's Day, 1991. Mm-hmm. A little bit of a love story in here as we go through. We'll this see. episode um, directed by Steven Spielberg also. Really? <laughs> <laughs> just had no, to but, get that. No, but he just, he just opted to make it. <laughs> there is a very special, there is one star, though, in this episode, superstar toward the end that we'll see. Sure. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. We start off with Brandon traveling by bike around town looking suave. And for a minute, I thought, like, wait, is he still not driving? But he's been driving since the, the license got pulled, right, Tim? Yeah, they've kind of been loosey-goosey with that. Um, we've had some speculation on maybe uh, 
script order versus like when the show aired, but mm-hmm. I don't know. This one was, I feel like pretty consistent with what we've seen since the uh, infamous house party in DUI. So Brenda uh, gives the lowdown that Jim's new client is a big honcho for surf gear, Chick Snyder. And uh, so we may be getting some free swag. Brandon thinks Anna, the uh, housekeeper and maid, may be toast because there's a big meeting going down and he's worried about it and they seem not happy. But we really find out that instead uh, we're introduced to her cousin, which I believe his name is Rich Rodriguez. Did I get that right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, so we found out Anna's niece Carla is having trouble in her school due to gangs and drugs. So she'll be using the Walsh address and be attending West Beverly. And they just want to give the family kind of the heads up of what's going on. So Uncle Rich is in the house. Anna's not getting fired. Carla's going to West Bev. Andrew, what did you think of this quick setup scene just to get us rolling? Uh, it goes pretty fast getting mm-hmm. to that point with the with the cousin. You don't actually see the cousin named Carla yet. That's later on. But the only thing I thought just as funny was about the name you mentioned is that it's really hard to trust a character who's named Richard Rodriguez (laughs) because that's the name of the Night Stalker. (laughs) What are we doing? Also, the uh, football coach who sucked and was good at West Virginia. Yeah, who like said, I will never leave West Virginia. And then he left (laughs) for Michigan a month later. Yeah. Not trustworthy. Um, I thought that Richard Rodriguez, this may be an inappropriate comment, but it, it, so be it. Um, I thought he kind of looked like a Hispanic Mel Silver, who we have oh, not yes, met yes, on the show yet. Yeah, but um, I was like, I, I, <laughs> my point is, I kind of did a double take because I was like, hey, wait a minute, is that? Oh no, there's there's no way. So um, yeah, he's um, he he looked similar to another actor we we will meet mm-hmm. on down the line. Um, interesting open here with the Walshes embroiled in what turns out to be this fraudulent enrollment conspiracy. Yes. <laughs> with their housekeeper's family and it's all very hush hush we'll find out why like Mm -hmm. at the very end but the way they handle this from the jump i feel like is just a bit suspect right and we'll we'll try to unpack that as we go along here a little sus as the kids say Uh. so we go to school david's working the phone lines in the dj booth we don't get to hear much of it but he's like trying to get through i guess to mc hammer but he gets stonewalled um, we'll find out more about that again, too, as we go. Donna said David's out there, so a little little mm-hmm. slight, like maybe one tiny seed getting planted there. Uh, we be. get Dylan and Steve in the hallway are just eye-fucking the shit out of Carla as she comes down. Um, They're all in, and, you know, Brenda's kind of like, what the heck? And um, Brandon comes over, he shits out Sacramento as a city. Uh, then he meets and swoons on Carla uh, at the blaze and introduces himself, but Carla plays dumb a little bit in front of Andrea, kind of not really giving too much info that she knows Brandon and who she is, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, it's obvious too, right out of the gate that Brandon's got some feelings for her. He wants to help her because he says, you know, I know it was tough to adjust here. So Brandon's flirting heavy and they kind of show off Carla a bit too. Like she's really impressive. She's uh, crushing it at school and um, they're kind of making their initial introductions to each other and what they're mm-hmm. about. And Carla's defensive about it. Like Brandon says, you can get a scholarship anytime you want, you know? And she's like, why? Because I'm a minority? And like goes off on that. And he's like, no, like, listen, chill. Like, I just mean you're super freaking smart. I just been with you for a day and you're like unbelievable in class. And you can tell she's very defensive on all this stuff, Tim. Yeah, so she's depicted as like this knockout who's turning heads left and right, but 
when we meet her, she's super standoffish. Mm -hmm. And obviously there's more going on behind the scenes than we are privy to. Um, I, I do think it's pretty funny that Brandon immediately jumps to you're a genius because <laughs> she's like into class participation. <laughs> like, you know, well, here's um, the I guess I do. Here's the funniest part. So like the first thing they say, well, I have to tell you, she keeps to herself. And it's like, yeah, yeah, I'm watching her in class. She definitely doesn't keep to herself. <laughs> she does not. She yeah. like talks in every class and she's like speaking in fluent French. The other thing I learned, and I learned this from Jesse Spano in the around the same time, if you're a female in the 90s in high school and you want to sound really smart, just say the word misogynist. There you go. Yep. Especially 1991. Good. Right. So, um, you know, Brandis, and this is where already I'm getting like weird signals that the Walsh's, especially in retrospect, once we know what's really up, that the Walsh's really did not handle this well. Like, okay, there's this girl. She's going to be using our address. Um, she'll be attending West Bev. But um, you're not going to actually meet her. In fact, you're not going to know who she is until you make introductions at the school, which is already mm -hmm. feels like a bad setup, right? Like, shouldn't they know who the hell this girl is if she is using their address and – like there's a risk of maybe blowing her cover. <laughs> um, so I don't know why all the secrecy and it's like, Ooh, who's the nerd girl? Oh, this is, and they put two and two together that way. Like give the kids a heads up or something like have a little meet cute before right. the first, her first day of class. Like, this is just ridiculous. Yeah. They have not put them in a good spot at all to be helpful to her um, or themselves. So I, I can go back to a personal story. It, it's so embarrassing, but I'll tell you, I'll tell it to you. So I go to the lakefront. I'm a senior in high school and I meet a girl and she's cool. Like, and like my friend wanted to like get with her. And I was like, and then he was like, oh, why don't you like, maybe you could talk to her. I'm like, nah, nah, not really my type. And, but I, there was a moment where I was like thinking about it. I found out later it was my second cousin. Ah, dodged a bullet. Oh no. I know. Oh. I, I don't know of any. Well, I'm not going to ask you if you had experience with that. <laughs> but I will say that did ha it didn't happen. Like, I don't think it was happening, but um, it wasn't mutual. But it was one of those things where it was like, oh, oh my God. Like, if I actually went for it, how awkward is that? Yeah. Well, you didn't know. Holy shit. It plausible. But yeah, someone should have given Brandon, like, the heads up. <laughs> I agree yeah. with that. <laughs> So Carla calls Brandon muchacho during one of these scenes in here. Honestly, uh, they should have told Brandon it's a cousin. A dis right. A distant cousin. Right. Because you know he's going to go for it. Yeah. The conflict here. So Carla muchacho uh, go to the peach pit. He introduces her to everyone. Uh, and Brenda's got the chick catalog. So she's taking orders on the gear. Steve tells Brandon, Carla's into you. And Carla takes him on a trip through East L.A. Uh, mm. So Brandon obviously is driving here. Carla's still through all this is very defensive about her family and her people. They have a debate about how Carla's perceived and how her issues may be in her head and not real. Again, being defensive. And Brandon just wants to simplify things. He's like, I'm just here to help you. Like, that's it. Like, chill. You know, I just want to help you get acclimated. I'm not here to accuse you of anything. I just want to know about you. So they get home. And outside the uh, the apartment or the house is Uncle Richard Rodriguez creeping out in the stoop. And he is not <laughs> happy that Carla's late. He is very pissed off. Uh, so what'd you think of this next date, Andrew, with, uh, Brandon and Carla, Brandon and Carla, as she drives her home from school and uncle Richie's hanging outside. Well, first of all, Brandon can really put the Mac on. I gotta mm -hmm. say, like he, mm -hmm. he could turn on the charm. 
So when they're getting to the point where they're at the door and everything, it's like, yeah, I could see a situation where Carlo probably could have fallen for this guy, even for a night. So it actually that made sense. But I mean, we're not I'm not giving away the awards yet, but one of the candidates for sure for most 90s moment has to be shadowy figure in the distance. <laughs> yes. go for making out people <laughs> with Creepy the wife. Creepy yeah, Uncle Rich. Uncle, Uncle Rich Rodriguez. <laughs> <laughs> and, and coach of West Virginia, Uncle Rich Rodriguez. <laughs> nice stalker here. It was, an um, awkward, it was awkward, you know, but it was lit well. The actor himself, I could not put my finger on. I didn't know who he was. He looked honest. like every guy who was in every, like, USA made for USA movie. Or, or every whatever. bad guy in Miami Vice, right? Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like that guy. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. I do think uh, this was a very Brandon moment to basically tell this girl who is uh, kind of giving giving him the cliffs notes of, of her life story and, and explaining to him, you know, this is my lived experience on a daily basis. Ah, I think it's all in your head. Like, <laughs> kind of <laughs> shit, shitty and patronizing of him, but I don't know. Again, 1991, it is Brandon. Um, these shows, these... Uh, these spelling shows, are, I find, are often quite fond of having a, a white person drive a minority around through their neighborhood mm-hmm. and have the minority <laughs> explain to the white person um, racism, basically. Well, didn't we and, see it already in this in, in uh, this show? Like, I feel like we did. Was it yeah. Cindy went got driven around, right? At yes. one point, yeah, with Anna, yeah. Yeah. yeah, somebody needs to call yeah. Fox News because I saw a caravan in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, Melrose Place is going to do this in their first season. They, so. they clearly didn't close the border in 1991, Beverly Hills. <laughs> no. I mean, All right, so we uh, we go back home. Brenda says Brandon has a look of desire in his eyes. Says people are starting to talk about them. Every girl he meets is the next true love. So uh, I feel like that was a little wink, wink, you know, behind the fourth wall. Brenda and Brandon have a fight about her having a perceived issue with a mixed race relationship, which now is Brandon getting super defensive because he's like, well, yeah. what does that mean? You want me, you know, to be with someone who's not white, basically. Uh, so Brenda gives Jim the the chick list and Brandon asks Anna if he can bring or uh, she can bring Carla to school and and then he'll drive her from the wash house so she doesn't have to take the bus. So not, not much going on here, but just, again, more mm-hmm. pushing forward that Brandon is into Carla and he's trying his best to what he thinks is be helpful. But again, because he doesn't really know the truth, you know, he's getting a little frustrated because it seems like everyone's in his way. Yeah. And because Carla keeps just keeps saying, alluding, it's complicated. Right. Yeah, <laughs> like, right. They never yeah. get around to it. And again, just underscores the fact that. The kids either needed to be let in on what was really going on here or they needed to use a better cover story because they genuinely are trying to be helpful. And they make a suggestion that, I mean, on the face of it, makes all the sense in the world, right? Yeah, it's just save everybody some time. Um, We're all going to the same place and they're having to dance around. Oh, this is why we can't do that. And um, yeah, there's more manufactured drama with, Brandon getting on Brenda's case, thinking she has an issue um, because of the the racial overtones of this, which obviously Brenda's not going to give a shit. So um, yeah, that doesn't really go anywhere. But um, and it's interesting how bring, the parents do bring ahead. that up. Like they say, uh-huh. should we? I think we should just say something. And I think one, I can't remember if it was the mom or the dad said, yeah, but we made a promise we wouldn't say anything. So they kind of close that loophole storyline wise. True. True. Yeah. 
All right, so we're back to school. <laughs> David's still fucking up the calls. To MC Hammer. Uh, <laughs> Try to call MC Hammer's management. Yeah, from and this is where we actually find out what's going on. So Steve sees Scott, who he calls Sam, which was funny. Sam. Um, and he reveals that David's trying to get MC Hammer to play the prom. So he's he's trying to make a big splash as the school DJ and get get the Hammer Man in to uh, to play prom. So we'll see if he can do that. Andre asked Brandon about his relationship with Carla. She noticed the address on her file is the Walsh House. And Brandon's like, you know, forget what you saw. Like, stop fucking souping around, as always. And Andre agrees. Like, okay, yeah, I, I won't. And then she presses him and... Andrea says, "Big, be careful, right? Because she knows she's running the same game. She's running the same con. She's using her <laughs> grandmother's address to go here because her her home kind of stinks. And actually, that was another one, Tim, right? Where Brandon goes to stalk Andrea and goes to the bad part of town, too. So Yeah. It's like yeah, the third no time we have seen it. Um, and Brandon admits he's attracted to Carla. And Andrea said she just wants uh, her GPA, and that's it. So, uh, you know, yeah. I, I thought this was fine with Andrea. Like, I actually thought it was you know, nice of her to bring in the whole like reality. Like she's going through this. You can't be willy nilly with it. Uh, yeah, I was, I was right there with you. And, and it's just a nice reminder that, okay, Andrea also lives out of district. So just queuing it, just cluing in viewers who might be new to the show, mm -hmm. uh, still the first season. Um, and she does sort of have a good point that if uh, this chick gets busted, um, there could be some kind of crackdown maybe and, and Andre Andrea gets some blowback herself. So um, you know, just kind of putting the screws to Brandon. Hey, don't don't blow this for her, don't blow it for me. Right. <laughs> yeah, don't start putting a magnifying glass on this type of stuff. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I dropped into this uh, this portion of the first season. Mm -hmm. Is it normal it has it been like a continuing thing that uh, Andrea and uh Brandon treat the school newspaper like the New Yorker? <laughs> uh, yeah, pretty yeah, pretty much right out of the gate, and they also use it as like their own secret, like flirt room as well. So, what was the fallout of the coach piece? The piece <laughs> on coach. <laughs> so, Andrea takes it a little bit more seriously than Brandon does, but um, she does have a line early on where she says, "Like it's the top high school newspaper in the country, or something." Which I don't even—is that even a thing? Like. <laughs> Especially in 1991, are high school newspapers going to be nationally ranked in some fat? Like, it just, she definitely takes it well, way too seriously. But my favorite movie ever, one of my favorite movies ever is All the President's Men. So I love me a journalistic film. But this go. is like, dude, you're a high school newspaper. <laughs> like, yeah. Like you can you can settle down on how many punctuation errors there are in the piece. Oh, it's gonna get even more intense for them too, especially once then when they the high school and college with the papers. So. Oh yeah. Um, all right, so Brandon wants a date with Carla, but she's stonewalling him. She's ghosting him. He picks her up at the bus stop when she wasn't expecting it. He's keeping on the full court press. He's trying to get some details on the school switch. Anna wants no part of this shit. She's basically leaving the fuck alone. Um, Brandon says just one chance, and Carla says, "Well, do you like to dance?" And we all know Brandon <laughs> has already been established that he does not like to dance, but they show up at the community rec center and there's some kind of nineties style. What's like line dancing, but not really going on. <laughs> okay. For, all right. I watched this on Paramount plus mm -hmm. for Amazon. Mm -hmm. There is not Latino music playing when I listen to this. It is like straight up country rock music, but my, but I listen, I watch things with subtitles because I have ADHD and, and the thing says Latino music playing. I'm like, well, it is. So the actual song was, I like you by culture beat. 
So okay, that makes more sense. Yeah, this, that's a, this was that's not played. So they're all in step to like something that has no sync with the song that I'm listening. To. <laughs> right. And it also definitely Brandon, looks like a cowboy bar. And also Brandon ain't coming in cool with the Alex Wright dance. <laughs> well, he says he's like, I suck at dancing, and Carla's like pushing him, and she's like, Look, you wanted your chance. This is it. So he hops in, and yes, he's he makes Elaine look, you know, look like Fred Astaire. In this one, <laughs> I, you know what, I I thought it was downright courageous of Jason Priestley to show mm-hmm. this kind of vulnerability <laughs> so early in the show. Like I have in all caps written down in my notes. We see why Brandon doesn't dance. <laughs> it's like, I don't think this is someone who can sort of dance, like trying to dance badly right. as an actor. Like he seems like he really cannot. You think dance. that's why they made the character not be able to dance because he really couldn't. So they just like played it up as a character trait. I feel like that's true. I feel like he's on record in like one of those, mm-hmm. you know, beat 17 magazines whatever like in the 90s like yeah i really can't dance so i thought it was important to and also <laughs> i guess that to play on to the, the episode title the fact that they're doing sort of this like big time choreography type of line dance type of thing you know right. it's like yeah. a musical the, you know the jets and the sharks type of thing so then <laughs> they looks absurd Right, and that's it what does. they try to play up. Yeah, obviously they try to with the even the name of the episode, right? East Side Story. They try to play mm-hmm. that up. So they go to a secluded area over by the skyline. They're making out. We get the little. Uh, I don't know how to explain. It's like it's the Mexican style stock music with like the um, rattling noise in it, like the rattlesnake noise that they play in these songs. And then uh, Uncle Rich is staring in anger, so he's everywhere. Yeah, watching over there. I thought they were like by the friggin' Hollywood sign for a minute, but I guess they were near the house because he's there. Or do you think he's following them? Is that supposed to be what it was? It was very could it was be. Little, yeah, could be that he's he's just tailing them because if she she's late the first time and he's mm-hmm. like just sort of looming on the porch, she's late again. Maybe he's he's taken to actually following her. Right. Um. So yeah, I, I don't know that geographically we're real clear on this, other than we're still on, you know, the east side, I guess. So Jim is at the house and he's doing like the worst sit-ups I think ever done by man. (laughs) (laughs) He's really struggling doing these sit-ups. Cindy's fretting over the dinner party that's to come here for Chick. And uh, then we get Cindy asking Jim, he's like, should we say the truth about Carla? Brandon's into her and Jim's like, you know, we just can't do it. We just, we swore, we made a promise, we can't do it. So they decide not to. Uh, we go back to East L.A. where Brandon brings breakfast to Carla, but she says it's not a good time. He tries to sweet talk Uncle, uh, sweet talk her a bit, but Uncle Rich shows up, of course, and he's friendly. He's not a dick, uh, but he says Carla doesn't have time for breakfast, so hit the fucking bricks, Brand. Uh, so, Andrew, what do you think of these couple scenes here? Uh, you could tell the tension there, mm-hmm. so that you're, so we feel like we're getting. You could tell that Brandon is getting closer to the truth, um, but, but. Carla's sort of fighting off what is actually going on. And I think there's a small conversation between uh, Uncle Rich and Carla where it's almost a sense of like they're both in on what's going on. And but it's not it's so you're thinking because the whole idea when you're um, as the episode is starts, you're thinking, oh, Uncle Rich is like a dr- is like a drug dealer or he's like an abusive father type of right. thing. But mm-hmm. the interaction that they have is very casual and like almost like business like, and you kind of start wondering, you know, it might not be it might not be this like stereotypical type of thing. Maybe it's mm-hmm. some, maybe there are acquaintances that are just like forced to stay together type of thing. Right. Right. 
What did you think, Tim? Um, at this point of Uncle Rich? Did you think I it was, was just like a this, standard story? or? Well, I'm wondering, like, are, are they going for some kind of prostitution ring type mm. gimmick where yeah. she's, like, in witness protection or something? Like, And I didn't really have a, a good angle on him um, just because the way he was presented at the Walsh's was one thing and obviously they they he has this casual relationship um with carla i'm like is he like supposed to be her pimp or something so i didn't know where the hell they were going with this and when all is said and done i'm i'm still not entirely clear why (laughs) all the smoke and mirrors because it's just especially the way that the the dinner party kind of gets wrapped into things like it's just uh, such an unnecessary mm. um the dinner party's hilarious oh, yeah. it, it is it, it it turns out to be hilarious but it's such an unnecessary um entanglement to this whole plot right. well let's get there so brandon and steve are trying to figure out what the hell's going on at the beach pit dylan shows up for his cameo <laughs> like we have not seen him really at all in this episode mm, yeah. uh, but he's hoping for some sweet gear at this party he's he's a chick fan he wants the gear uh brandon didn't even get to invite carla but we find out when he gets there that she's working the event anyway. So Cindy tells Anna, our Carl is very talented and this must be a nightmare for her. But so again, we're kind of getting hinted at, does she mean just working this event? Does she mean in general? Uh, but you know, we, we're not lit into much more than that. So Brandon comes home, he finds out Carl is working and he asks her like, how can you work this gig at my house after our night together? And he just goes in guns blaring at Cindy. Like, I don't want my friends serving me in my own house. So she's like, well, look, you serve your friends at the beach pit. And he's like, well, that's different. That's not my own house. And this is bullshit. Um, you know, he's, he's steamed as fuck right now about what's going on. So, uh, I mean, Tim, was this the usual Brandon overreaction, you think, or is it justified? Actually, um, I kind of saw Brandon's side to this one. Like, yeah, it is kind of fucked up that they're making her work this family function um, I mean, it'd be one thing, I guess, if they were not acquainted, but having seen how close Brandon has gotten to this girl, somewhat against their wishes, but I mean, they, it's not like they've expressly forbid him from seeing, you know, mm-hmm. Carla or anything. I, I think they should have had a bit more awareness of the situation and been like, look, uh, this is kind of fucked up. And again, as we will learn, there's no reason she needs to work this thing in the first place. Like, if well, anything, or even if she does, though, just say like, look, Anna doesn't run a big catering business. Like, this is a big yeah. job for her. She needs some help. So her niece is helping her. Like, like it, mm-hmm. to me, it's a simple explanation if you want to do it, you know. Right. And and then, um, you know, Brandon has his blow up. Jim kind of reads him the riot act. Um, oh, yeah. He gives him the there's also Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, there's also kind of no reason Brandon has to be there. Um, I know that Jim is trying to paint a certain picture for this big new client, but I mean, the guy is not going to give a shit that like, just say, oh, yeah, I've you know, got two great kids. Uh, my son is working tonight. You know, right, right. He he's a fashion night. designer. He's probably on cocaine anyway. <laughs> what does he care? Yeah. What could he possibly do? <laughs> it's just it, it's all sorts of ridiculous complications here because of this dinner party i think we need to give more props to brandon for taking such a strong stand for all suffering latinos by mm-hmm. taking his name off clearly the guest list. not the first side for him too so take my name yeah. off the guest list this is irresponsible right. <laughs> for protesting this uh, family <laughs> <show>. <laughs> 
<laughs> so Jim, Jim gives him the come to Jesus. He's like, look, this is a super important. You need you need to chill. So Brandon stands down. He, he promises he'll play nice. But really, he's just like brooding the whole time. Mm. Uh, Brenda says Chick wants to take pictures of him in the gear. So that already sounds creepy as well. I like heard her hot friends yeah. <laughs> going to put on the gear for Chip. Chick. You got Carla work in the room. She's got the appetizers. Jim's trying to be cool. Things are kind of chugging along okay. And then Chick makes a comment about basically wanted to ban Carla. <laughs> He's like, when he sees her. And Steve and Dylan over here. And they're like, mm-hmm. good thing Brandon didn't hear that shit because he would have lost his mind. Damn, so then Brenda, uh, Brenda, Bren, Brandon wants Carla's help getting the chairs from upstairs. But it's just an excuse to get her up there uh, to make out. But she is not pleased. She does kiss him and then just rips into him about not needing his protection. So, again, Brandon's continuing to escalate here. Let, I guess we'll just go through the party and then we'll get your guys' thoughts. So, Anna bitches out Carla for not showing respect because she went upstairs. And Brandon is just, like, giving every evil vibe possible. Sour pussing, angry in the doorway. They do the group pick and he's mean mugging in the group pick for Chick <laughs> with the gear on. Uh Chick then talks up his new factory in Mexicali. He, he's bragging on all the cheap labor and the uh, language barrier. And here comes Captain Social Justice, as usual, Brandon. <laughs> he hears about it. And we're thrown back to the episode earlier in the season where uh, at the restaurant and all that, where he's going mm-hmm. off about exploitation and he's flipping out, at, you know, in front of Jim, right in front of Chick. He's yelling at Jim basically about it. Uh, Jim snaps at him to apologize and Chick, Chick, I don't give a fuck. I'm a fucking billionaire. Like you said, we probably on coke. He's like, yeah, he's probably right. <laughs> and then just like quells the issue. Carla leaves the party. Brandon wants to go after her. Anna stops him. Uh, she's getting super intense now. And then we do find out that the party was successful, though, afterwards. So we'll get to that in a minute. But uh, Reach, what did you think of the whole everything at the party up to this point? Uh, the fashion's hilarious. Uh, I mean, we'll we'll talk about that at the end. But there's just, I mean, some of the some of the shirt and pants choices are just, and the gown choices are just hilarious. Um, took me back. Uh, the other thing, I I like you had talked about how abrasive or how like out and out the uh, fashions I was talking about the um the um the cheap labor. Mm-hmm. Like it was just so funny to like throw that. I mean, I get it. It's a TV show, so you just have to throw something in there so that people are like, oh, this guy is like a scumbag, like. In real life, I don't see Phil Knight going to fundraisers going, ha, I opened 20 more sweatshops in Korea. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> We're going to get those Air Jordans out in no time. <laughs> so this idea that he's just sitting here, like, you know, just telling everybody, huh, I got all this cheap labor in New Mexicali was just hilarious because, you know, you can go to jail for that. But um, I guess at like, that point, maybe it's a little more <laughs> accepted. I don't know. The other funny part, and you mentioned it, is at the very end is that um, – and thank God my dad, my dad, had, we, I had uh, three siblings. My, so my dad had four kids. So we weren't always like, there was always a, like a, like a black sheep somewhere who ruined some kind of get together or something. Always. <laughs> One of us was an asshole. Uh, we were all pretty good kids though, but thank God my dad never did this, but James Eckhouse's character of uh, what's, what's the, uh, what's the dad's family name? Jim Walsh. Jim, Jim does big this. Jim. Jim goes, yeah, the party was a success. With one minor exception, and they all stare at Brandon. <laughs> My dad ever did that to me, I would be crushed. <laughs> I, I'm just shocked that he considered the party a success. I mean, right. I, I feel like that's. I mean, there's there's little social faux pas that happen, you know, at these these types of events. But 
that was like a major blow up. <laughs> it it's one thing for uh, for Brandon to do this uh, and and um, basically read the riot act to his brief employer at the nitro grill or whatever that place was in that third mm-hmm. episode or whatever. But this is like one of his dad's new super clients. And <laughs> it is just wildly inappropriate. Right. Um, and what's the deal with this, this chick guy? And anyway, is he supposed to be like a, a 1991 Ed Hardy or something like it just like, a I think it's, it's like surf gear, right? He makes or whatever. I think so. Yeah. Um, based on the fashions that we see, which are, uh, pretty outrageous, um, which that, that'll be a lot to get into. Just that whole vibe is, is fascinating. But, um, again, none of this actually needed to happen because, uh, Brandon, number one, didn't actually need to be there. Carla also did not need to work this event. So it's all just very confusing at the end of the day. Yeah, so I mean, they're they're celebrating after with Brenda. Brandon's cleaning up the chairs, and Brenda gets left alone to deal with their emo brother. <laughs> Jim and Cindy are like, "We're out." Uh, and Brenda says, "Brandon, you've been unbearable all week. You have no sense of humor. Like you're miserable." And you know, Richard, by the way, Uncle Rich was waiting outside the whole party. So you may want to go figure out what the hell's going on. So Brandon's like, "I want this friggin' info." So he goes to Jim, and Jim said, "You're lucky. Chick has a good sense of humor, and things are okay." And, you know, what he wants to know what is up with Brandon and Brandon basically says, I want the truth. What is going on with this Richard guy? And Jim says, I just can't do it. I got to keep a secret. I made a promise. If you want the information, Carla's the one that's going to tell you. And so, yeah. And wasn't it um, what didn't Brenda say it was Luke Perry's character that noticed that the car was out there the whole time? Yeah, yeah. I think he said. And that's, said. It's just so him. It's like, yeah, yeah, I was smoking weed with him outside the whole time. <laughs> right, right, <yeah. laughs> nice guy. <So> really cool. <laughs> yeah, right. He probably got the whole lowdown. <laughs> right. He probably knows the whole story. He's just going to spill it out to Brandon later outside mm-hmm. the porch. <laughs> so Brandon goes back to East L.A. Uh, Anna says Carla's gone and she ain't coming back. But it's okay because she's no longer in trouble. She's back with her family. And she would like to say goodbye to Brandon. So Brandon shows up at a park. There's a big family reunion going on. Carla comes and gives him a big hug and reveals what's going on about Victor Montez, her father. And she had to move to East L.A. last week. Anna was her babysitter back home. And she saw two guys open fire at a house that killed a four-year-old during a gang fight. And they had to put her in witness protection until the case went to court. Richard, Uncle Rich, is actually a prosecuting attorney. And Carla is the star witness. So they had to hide her so they didn't try and kill her before the uh, time to testify. The killer named Sleepy confessed. So... (laughs) Uh, Carla's off the hook and she can go home to her own house, her own school. She ain't some poor girl from the barrio. She's not looking for a white knight. They didn't have a fairy. uh, They had a fairy tale briefly, but she's going to go. Brandon is like melting the fuck down right now. He's like, you know, you're making it more complicated. We can figure it out. We can make it work. We're not that different. And she's like, look, it ain't going to (laughs) work. Like, forget it. And he finally gives in and they say they'll meet up again someday. So this continues the story of like Brandon desperately trying to find the one and everyone he finds is the one. And uh, again, another one's not going to be the one. So I meant that they did a pretty decent job of like tying this together and making it make some sense. Like why Richard would be so paranoid that she's out, you know, he's worried that, you know, she's going to get iced. Right. And then loses the star witness and another one goes down. So it, it all kind of makes sense. It's just, you know, 
it was it was a kind of a weird winding road to get here. Yeah, um, I think it explains the Richard character pretty well, but mm-hmm. beyond that, like everyone else's motivations based on what they know and what they don't know. Talk about sleepy. I, I think the writers were asleep at the typewriter <laughs> here for a lot of it, just because it's like there's there's so many other cover stories that they could have used. Like, right. I, I don't know. Just just say that. Oh, this is a very temporary situation. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and the whole deal with having to use the Walsh's address. I feel like there's. I mean, if she's in a, a legal entanglement here where it's like a, she's in witness protection. Like they're going to find, they're going to figure out a way around that with the school that doesn't involve let's commit fraud temporarily <laughs> basically. Right. Um, so that's what I didn't get. Why didn't, yeah, just, why didn't rich go to the school and be like, yeah, uh, like, unless I, didn't want, I don't know. There's unless you didn't want to take a chance, I guess, I guess there's just so many other better ways. I, I think, realistically that this would have been addressed, but it's a teen soap opera. So this is kind of what you get Um, just for the sake of, again, uh, very manufactured conflict, which I think this episode had more than most that we've seen. (laughs) What'd you think of the payoff, Andrew? Yeah. Um, I actually like the idea from a, from a story standpoint that Brandon actually came to a realization that his like being abrupt and being so like bombastic about standing up for Carla actually almost blew her cover when mm-hmm. he realized that he she was in witness protection. So it, it almost gave him this like small sense of guilt when he really found out what was all going on. Right. He actually had a really good line when they first meet up, which actually kind of if you look at the framing, it looked like when Harry met Sally kind of thing, uh, like where the, one was on the left and one was on the right. And he said something to the nature of i think of if we're not going to be together at least you owe me an explanation and kind of and then they kind of go into a fade where they start talking and walking and and she's the whole it's complicated plot is completely splurged out in the last five minutes which is just like tim said so 90s tv writers (laughs) like la law or something where it's like yeah let's just give everything away in the last five minutes because we're running out of time we gotta wrap it up yep right um, and then there's a, I will say the acting by Jason Priestley is really good here. Like, I thought he was like, he had some emotions there. It, like you could feel that you could feel it was kind of heavy. And there's a really nice one where he goes like, I didn't really know you at all. Did I? And she says more than, you know, so that was kind of cool. Like, I thought there was like, I thought there was some okay dialogue here. Um, you could almost feel like you almost felt sorry for Brandon, but you always thought you also thought in the back of your mind. Now looking back, man, Brandon really like almost fucked all of this up. Right. Yeah. yeah well, that's why Uncle Rich was so pissed off. Right. And right. angry. Yeah. So, all right, we go back to the school to end with a little levity after the, the heavy storyline and Kelly and Donna show up. Uh, and they're in the same outfit, the same chick outfit, and Kelly ain't happy about it. She's like, why? Of all these outfits, why did we pick the same one? Uh, and Brandon says, you know what, Andrea, like, I regret kind of what how I acted, and, you know, I'm glad I got you. You're real, we're, you're honest, we're comfortable, and it's a good thing we're not attracted to each other, so we could always be good friends. <laughs> and mm-hmm. this was just like, yeah. Just a slap in the face. To pull she got boxed into the friend zone. Yeah. yeah who we know yeah. is into Brandon because we heard it at the slumber party at our last episode. Yeah. We got the infamous 
admission. Yeah, she confessed uh, it, side not note to here, Brandon, but yeah. Yeah, Gabrielle Cartieres is now the president of SAG. Yes, yeah. she is. Yeah, she was the one who banned Donald Trump. <laughs> That's her win right there. there you go. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, all right. So, uh, poor Andrea has got to shake that one off and move on. David makes one last attempt at MC Hammer, uh, but it's the wrong number, so he gets hung up on. But he realized what the person who answered said when he when he answered was uh, it was Debbie Gibson, and it was <laughs> she was random. actually in the episode. He realizes it and calls back, and he's kind of stammering to her. Uh, very random, very random, but kind of a funny way to end. I thought was a heavy episode. It was a weird episode. Um, a lot of the anger from Brandon, I thought, felt forced this time, not as earned as usual. Uh, mm. The payoff was intense. Uh, Brenda and the girls, again, kind of playing comedy sideshow, which has been a role Brenda's been in more often than not throughout this episode, uh, throughout the season and all these episodes. Uh, Jim's got a big client, but really not much else. And we had a great outing last time. And this felt like a spinning wheel, kind of a slide down, Tim, off of that. And we don't get too many of this where, like, the whole show like 95 almost percent of this episode was about this one story um, and, and everything else was kind of jammed into the rest. And even then was tangentially uh, attached to the story. Mm. So, and, and it didn't hit. Yeah. If you're going to do that, it's going to hit. And this one didn't hit. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say barely any B plot to speak of. I mean, the mm-hmm. stuff with David and MC hammer is just, I mean, it really doesn't even qualify as a, as a subplot or a side story. Uh, it, it's given so little screen time. Um, but what we get instead, I think, does, I would agree with you, it, it suffers for relying on a pretty convoluted plot for its its character conflict rather than those character dynamics arising out of a more just realistic situation, mm-hmm. right? And, and that's where I think this show has really shined, has been depictions of teenage life that you know, for the early nineties were pretty relatable obstacles that, uh, high school students would face in their everyday interactions. And And unapologetically so, right. Sure. Yep. And, and just using that as your springboard, whereas this is like, who the hell deals with this kind of shit? Like, I mean, even in it's, it's not just because of the Beverly Hills setting. It's just, it's something that ordinary people like this does not just land in your lap and right and go in the directions that it it goes in this episode. It's just so all over the place. So yeah, definitely a a weaker installment, I think, especially coming off of uh, our recent highs, Mm -hmm. but um, I I guess that's the first season for you. It's, it's. We've had more highs than we expected. So it's hard to complain. We have, we have. Yeah. This was more of what I expected. Not a season one. Uh, Yep. Yep. I would agree. Okay. All right, let's get into our awards then. Uh, best scene uh, to me was definitely the dance party at the rec center. Uh, well, Frank, never mind. It's the party. It's the Walsh party. Yeah, you get a lot with that Walsh party. I will, I will back you up there. All the fashions and all the characters on display in the same Brandon place. I don't on. know. Yeah, what do you think, Andrew? I'll go three for three. Yeah, I, I thought the dinner party was just funny. It was just like it wasn't even nostalgic. It was just like absurd. It was like campy, like, but it, it kind of takes you back. Like you need something like that as a time capsule when you watch it and you're like, oh, okay, this is kind of retro. And, um, yep. and also big things happened and a lot of, a lot of feelings were had and, you know, you get all, you get all that stuff. You know, I like the park scene too, but that, that I think would take another award. 
It was like dinner for schmucks. Right. <laughs> I love that movie. Yeah. <laughs> All right, most important scene, and there wasn't a ton of long-term importance in this episode, but I went with Brendan putting Brennan. I gotta find a better way to say their names. I always mix them up. Brendan, Brandon, Brandon putting Andrea in the friend zone. Ooh, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna back you up there again because it just hits harder knowing what we as viewers know <laughs> right. that Brandon doesn't. Like, I mean. You could impl- you could infer that Andrea had a thing for for mm-hmm. Brandon, but coming off of that slumber party episode where she really lays it out there, yeah, okay, if I'm gonna hook up with any guy, it would be Brandon. There, I said it. She's so embarrassed. Like, where does that leave them? Where do they go from here now? And right. just gosh, just adding to her humiliation, really. <laughs> Yeah, because it's not like it's a hindsight thing. Like, oh, we know what's going to happen. Like you said, like, I mean, they they told us directly she's into this guy. So, but you would think at this point they're setting them up for a future, like a Sam and Diane thing, right? I mean, the way they tease the the flirtation, we know one's into the other. Brandon comes out and says we're just friends. So at this point, it feels like that's where this is going, right? That this is going to be the long-term relationship between these two. Plus, with Brandon practically flaunting all of his little flings mm-hmm. in one episode after another, and Andrea having some little comment, some little side comment about mm-hmm. it, um, it, it definitely feels like they're he, they're creating this dynamic where he's oblivious and she's madly in love with him, and they've got to somewhere <laughs> meet in the middle, I guess, if there is a middle. What do you think was most important, Andrew? So uh, forgive me if I misinterpreted it, but I felt I, I kind of saw it more like because I wasn't as well versed in the 90210 mm-hmm. canon of the first season. I looked at just the episode. Yeah. And yep. for that for that in that guideline, I thought it just about the park scene of them kind of wrapping a bow around everything. And, yep. you know, Jason Priestley being able to show his acting chops a little bit. Um, the actress who played Carla didn't really do anything. So I was, I was kind of right. uh, kind of interested as to like how that came about but i thought she did okay mm-hmm. um i thought it had some emotion to it um because like like you know like you said jt it was like it was very much like a bottle episode it wasn't the parking garage right. but like right. like the seinfeld <laughs> episode but it was it wasn't like that but yeah you're right and i was gonna ask you guys like luke perry and tori spelling like are they as that pushed far into the background as they are in other episodes of the season yeah so dylan like has his moments like there'll be a couple episodes where he's hot hot and heavy featured but for the bulk of these in this season, he's been very much a background guy. Okay. And Donna is like a very bit player at this point. Like we've only had one episode and that was the last one where she got anything of substance. Uh, so she's getting there, but so far she's been maybe like a line an episode for most of them. But the point is like, it's hard to like figure out what's important to the candidate because there's really right. not much that goes on outside of Brandon's <laughs> situation. But yep. you did mention mm-hmm. one about Brandon and Andrea uh, kind of being uh, uh, will they or won't they kind of thing that that is sort of important later on. So that's a good one, too. All right. Most 90s look. There's a bunch in here, but I went with yeah. a David shirt and then the Chick Snyder gear that we see in the picture. Yeah. Um, those jumpsuits at the end. I, I, I don't know how you get more 90s than that. <laughs> um, I mean, setting aside some of the Chick Snyder stuff. um the way that Andrea has been dressed in these last few episodes is very um, like they're trying to do that thing where like she's trying to dress as a young professional, like the way that mm-hmm. um, 
a high school student wouldn't dress, right? Right. But because of the fact that Gabrielle Carteris is, uh, let's say, a bit older than the rest of the cast, what they've done is they've actually just put her in very age-appropriate clothing (laughs) that has been very flattering on her, to be honest, especially... Yeah, they got to look like Annie Potts and Ghostbusters kind of thing, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, like, they're going for that sort of obnoxious girl bossy thing, but in a way that sort of... Um, it is very complimentary of her, I think. So I kind of like the way that um, Andre has been dressed in these last few out, especially when when we see her at school. Um, not so much the uh, <laughs> the full on pajamas that she was wearing at the uh, slumber party, but uh, when she's looking, um, you know, pretty sharp in in the uh, <laughs> the West Beverly High offices of uh, of the Blaze, uh, you know, she's She's got it going on. What do you think, Andrew, for a most 90s look? So you said David. Is that Ian Ziering's character's name? No, uh, uh, Brian Austin Green. Okay, Ian Ziering's uh, cocktail party outfit. Yes, that's the most <laughs> yeah, 90s right. outfit. It is like, like when I would watch Inside Stuff, you would see the NBA players like outside, and that's what it looked like. That, mm-hmm. <laughs> with the sprinkled with the sprinkled like windbreaker jacket tucked in with the mm-hmm. uh black shirt it was just like and the kind of like the the nice little like uh curl going it, it was that that was 90s all the way all right most 90s moment i went with david wanting mc hammer to play prom and also the big 90s dance party at the rec center yeah, MC Hammer um, is definitely up there. I mean, the Debbie Gibson cameo, just <laughs> why, but why not? Um, yeah, between the two, I, I think we're tied with really just David's subplot here. Mine is simple. Uh, Dylan ordering baggies from a catalog. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, All right, but- that's a good one, yeah. Best lesson learned. I just put stop lying about Carla. That was like the lesson I learned. Just, if they would have been a little bit more direct or honest to start, like a lot of this nonsense could have been avoided. Right. I, I don't think that in 1991, that's what they wanted the lesson, the takeaway mm-hmm. to be. I, I think they wanted it to be like, oh, you know, don't take, don't judge people, you know, based on appearances. Da, 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 don't, don't take your own uh, blessings for granted, whatever. Something along those lines, but it's really like, don't lie to your high school age kids about things this important. Like, right. <laughs> it's really just a bad policy. Uh, I'll give you three and y'all choose which one you like the most. Um, this is more of a lesson to people who watch this episode. Accidentally cold calling celebrities is not a real thing. Right, yes. We're not going to randomly get the number of I've tried it. I thought I called Harry Connick Jr. and I called a different one. Um you can get to a better school by faking your address. Mm-hmm. Actually, mm. that is true. Um, I wouldn't recommend it, though. And then this one, uh, in the words of Brent, Brenda Walsh, people who are who they are, no matter where they came from, unless it's St. Paul. <laughs> wow. Which is a really mean thing to say, because my mom is from St. Paul, Minnesota. Oh, oh shit. Brutal. So let's strike that one off. It's the one about getting to a better school by faking your address. I agree. <laughs> All right, best hookup, really, Brandon, uh, Brandon and Carl is the only option here. Yeah, pretty much. Mine was David Silver and Debbie Gibson. Oh, that's a good okay. one. Okay, all right. Oh, you know, you could see in Debbie's eyes. She wanted it. Mm. Not a very quotable episode. Usually I have a bunch. I only had two. Uh, David Silver's so out there. 
from Donna. And uh, your mom says you're getting battleship over nothing from Jin. Like, what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> Is that like a term? Like, when you go crazy, you're getting battleship? I don't think you're I've ever heard battleship? of You're getting battleship? I don't know. <laughs> um, I had uh, just... Steve, uh, it's really not even so much the the line as it is the the reaction from Scott, where he he calls him Sam like twice. He's just like, "Hey, Sam, Sam, Sam." Yeah. And I, I don't know. We've been pretty hard on, um, God, what's the actor's name? Uh, Douglas Emerson, right? Mm-hmm. But he's um, from a comedic standpoint, had some really funny or been responsible for some pretty funny moments. I oh feel yeah. Like. yeah bursting into the uh, assembly at just the wrong moment. Um, that guy was truly Yates. like the fake Von Eric of this whole thing, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Who was Bless the fake? Was it Lance? Lance Von Eric? Yes, yes. That is the Lance Von Eric of this cast. Which is completely ironic for reasons I'm not going to mention. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Andrew, any quotes? Oh, uh, no, just the the one about St. Paul got me because I, I thought that was kind of a funny little uh, – I think that was in the first segment of the show. So I thought that was a nice little quip. Um, just two small observations that I thought were hilarious. Um, first of all, maybe it's because I'm a sports fanatic. James Eckhouse looks just like Mike Krzyzewski. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's not a bad comp. And then there's a cash – the cash register at the diner says no bare feet, which made me laugh. Might get a lot of surfers coming in there. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Mm-hmm. Okay. Dylan, for starters. Yeah. Final grade. Um, so, yeah, a big letdown after the last episode. And honestly, I'm going to have this tied for the worst one we've seen so far, Tim. I went three mm-hmm. and a half out of ten, which puts it, I think, it's the one where Brandon uh, banging his girlfriend when he loses virginity, uh, the girl from Minnesota. So those, this is tied with that for the worst, worst two. Okay, I don't feel so bad because I'm going to do the same. <laughs> Three and a half for me, too. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of feel like it was the worst. Um, I was going to go four, but then I was like, if you're willing to go as low as three and a half, then I will back you up. What'd you have, Andrew? Uh, maybe I had 90s fashion colored glasses on, uh, but um, <laughs> I, I went six. I went six out of ten. I thought the acting by Jason Priestley was pretty good. And since <laughs> it was mostly like focused on him, I thought he carried it okay. Um, okay. I just thought, I mean, the Miami, I guess we're talking, calling it the Miami Vice stuff where it's like the man of mystery and the hovering in the background stuff. That was kind of silly and overdrawn, like Tim said. But uh, yeah, I mean, I guess they had some funny little 90s moments. But then again, I'm not deep in the weeds of the of every episode like right. y'all are. I'm right. sure we're, there were we're getting better in the episodes. Yeah, I'm sure there were better episodes than this much better yeah all right let's get to our trackers real quick uh, actually before that here's the music we didn't hear uh oh, when yeah. david's trying to call mc hammer mc hammer is actually playing let's go deeper uh, i like you by culture beat during the club deep down by debbie gibson when he calls david calls debbie by accident and that's actually it it looks like i have to assume debbie gibson was promoting a new album i have to maybe yeah there was something mm, it could be yeah. i mean fox was like the ugly redheaded stepchild of network of networks at the time like they were they would take any promotion they could i mean there's a chance she was just a fan and like asked to be on you know like that happens sometimes mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or she was married to one of the writers or something <laughs> right yeah or, it was, or she maybe she was friends friends with one of them her her um her singer name was tiffany right no debbie gibson different person okay okay sorry that's okay uh i don't know if an album came out in 91 
Now, now you've got me kind of looking. There was one. She released one in late '90. So yeah, that could be it. You could be right, Andrew. She had an album come out November 20th, '90. Well, Fox was using the mainstream music, like even like the premiere of the music videos. I remember Michael right. Jackson used to always put the premieres of his music videos on Fox. Right. Like black and white. Remember the time, stuff like that. So that doesn't always shock me. Yeah, Dawn, could, Dawson's could Creek went into overdrive with that, where if you didn't have a song on Dawson's Creek, it wasn't a hit. Right. So she had apparently she had released anything as possible mm-hmm. uh, November twentieth, nineteen ninety. So that's. I mean, probably around the time this episode would have been filmed. Obviously, it aired in February 91. Right. Uh, are there any? I mean, no, single song. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's uh, Deep Down know, was it. the song. Let me I see. think so. Yeah. yeah, Deep Down is track six on this album. So. so, yeah, it could have been like a promotion or again, maybe she was just a fan or do someone. All right, new characters tonight. We had Richard Rodriguez, Carla Montez, and Chick Snyder. Then relationships that has added Brandon and Carla, and places and things that has added Carla's house in East LA. Uh, all right, let's do our character rankings before we get out of here. So Nat and Jackie were not in, so they get the customary zeros uh, at the mm-hmm. bottom for not being in the episode, but everyone else was. So who do we think? Surprisingly, yeah. Who do we feel like is number one in this? Was it Brandon? This kind of has to be, right? Guess so. Yeah. yeah. Brand, Brandon. And, and you know, Brenda was trying to be the good sister at times. Right. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I guess I'd probably have her second. And then. Yeah, I'm and then Andrea. With the Brenda. Brenda. Then Andrea. Um, she was kind of the next most important. Yeah. Yeah. How do you feel about the Walsh's? Yeah, um, I mean, this is a weird one because usually we have like everyone's in almost equal amounts, but not really in this one. So, yeah, I think right. they're next, and then you kind of get the glut of like side characters that didn't do a lot. Yeah, the rest of the kids. So, yeah. so would you have Jim or Cindy higher? Probably Jim, just because he has a more forceful presence right. in this one. Um, screaming at Brandon, that that's got to count for a lot. Right. And then, you know, Cindy right behind him. Then what do you think? Um, Dylan's barely here. Yeah, no, it's not him. He's just but talking he did, at girls. He, he did tip him off about the car. <laughs> he, did. he did tip him off. <laughs> I think David and Scott are next. Maybe some combination of David, Scott, Steve. Yeah, I think I would go that order. Okay. That sounds crazy, but. Well, look, how many chances is Scott going to get to go this high on? I know. Well, that's the end. And then probably Dylan and then Kelly, then Donna. That sound right? Yeah, Kelly and Donna were barely in it. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds right. It's a big draw for Kelly. She was our number one last episode. All right. So that's that. Tim, while I'm compiling the overall rankings, do you want to tell everyone what's going on at the North-South Connection? Uh, yeah, a lot of great things here at the North-South Connection. That is where you are listening to this podcast. So if you are not subscribed, do subscribe today where you can hear this and a lot of other great pop culture-related content, mostly um, professional wrestling-related, a lot of uh, analysis if you're into that sort of thing. But um, 
I would say a more original slant than you may be accustomed to from other wrestling podcasts. It's not the same shit you hear on other networks where it's like, oh, let's uh, let's rebook Starcade 1989. Oh, you think they could have done the invasion better? Nah, you don't get that kind of bullshit on North South Connection. This is more original and 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 with personality, if you will. So uh, do subscribe if you are not already. It, look, you don't have to listen to the wrestling shows. You can just listen to uh, 90210 so if you're so inclined. Anyway, yeah, listen to everything. We, listen to everything. Listen to everything. Just listen to everything. Um, but look, this is part of the quad of pods associated with Place B Nation. So we also have the Place B Nation Wrestling Network for more great wrestling content, as the name would imply. We have as well the Place B Nation Pop Experience, where I have some presence, uh, notably on Pop Goes to the Couch, where we are doing episodic reviews weekly of the Disney Plus series, uh, not The Mandalorian, but The Book of Boba Fett this time around. Check the archives for Mandalorian. Uh, we're, we're covering as well, sort of um, in, in spurts, um, you could call it, Cobra Kai, taking about three episodes at a time on a dedicated limited podcast series on season four, which dropped recently on Netflix. So if you're a big Cobra Kai fan, um, check out pop goes to the couch. Um, and finally, we're going to be starting up. We think episodic weekly reviews of peacemaker on HBO max. If you are, yeah, fan of, uh, comics, the DC comics character from the suicide squad film released last summer so uh yeah a lot of a uh, lot of action we're going to be very busy on pop goes the couch on the place B nation pop experience subscribe to that today if you're interested um we have also the jenny position that is the podcast uh network that is curated by our dear friend jennifer smith just a lot of great variety over there mm -hmm. freak out drive-in uh, where we basically that's a, a live watch for horror movies. You heard about Pluto, which is a live watch for, uh, well, something on Pluto, the guest's choice. Um, just a bevy of, of podcasts that Jenny puts together um, for eclectic taste, I guess you could call it. Uh, and boy, that pretty much does it. Um, you can connect with me on social media if you would like. I'm on Twitter at psych six eight c y k e six eight on the twitter jt did i forget anything no you crushed it tim as always andrew anything you want to promote before we get going um you know what that means with jordan duncan the an AEW podcast we'll have a we'll have a few more shows to talk about uh as we get back in it nba team full swing omicron just finally passed on but uh we, <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it did but mm -hmm. uh you know trade deadlines kicking up uh, getting a little bit more excited. We're at the halfway point of the season. There was one quote that I forgot to mention when you passed when you passed it to me, and I didn't mention it. It wasn't ah. the best quote, but it was the funniest. If you want me to throw it at you, what is it? Okay, when um when Carla says, you know, I saw those two servants on the other side of that cafe diner, and I didn't want them serving me because I know how it feels. And then <laughs> Brandon just goes, "You mean Emmanuel and Pepe?" <laughs> <laughs> and I laughed so hard for about five minutes. Pepe. Good old Brandon. He's on a first name basis with everyone. Everyone <laughs> he works with. So right. Gotta gotta make sure the Peach Pit is not uh, exploiting labor like his last shitty restaurant job. 
All right, let's do our final rankings here for the characters, and we'll wrap up. All right. Last place, we have Jackie Taylor with 13 points, Nat Basuccio with 24, Donna Martin with 39, Scott Scanlon with 52, then the big jump up to the next tier, Andrea Zuckerman with 79, David Silver with 86. We have a tie next with Jim Walsh and Dylan McKay, fittingly mm. enough, tied at 97. Wow. Uh, Kelly Taylor, 102, takes us to our top four, Steve Sanders with 107, Cindy Walsh with 111, and then the Walsh twins on top as usual, Brenda with 149. Brandon with 152. So uh, all the same, we had no movement on the list here this this week. Everyone, <laughs> the biggest jump was that Jim tied Dylan because of Dylan's uh, soft showing. So that's where we're at. Can't wait to win the thousands of points, Tim. I got to do all this math on the fly. Oh my god! <laughs> Brandon with 2,692 points. A lot of fun. Uh, all right, Ooh. this is a ton of fun. We'll be back in the two to three weeks or so with another great episode of 90210. Andrew Reach, Tim Capel, and JT. We're out. Have a little dim sum, a little dim sum. We'll talk to you soon.